0: Tonight, let us treasure an ancient landmark as we take our Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 23 through 28 that I'd like to use as the base of our lesson. What I wish to do is to read the text tonight, and then I want to go and use the verses to support what we will be discussing momentarily and that is a plan for faithful youth. And I'd like for us to consider that plan is in Hebrews eleven, twenty-three through twenty-eight. Truly, an ancient landmark, or the landmark of the faith of Moses. In verse twenty-three, that says, "When he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child." By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. As always, let us grow and be appreciative of the reading and the hearing of God's Word and the application thereof. Tonight, let's talk about a plan for a faithful youth. In the December 2013 edition of Think Magazine, on a survey of why I left the church, the following was of interest. In 2009, Ken Ham, founder and president of Answers in Genesis, along with Britt Beamer and Todd Hilliard, co-authored a book recently titled Already Gone. This book focused on a thousand young people who left denominations and have embraced the world. One of the most disturbing findings that came out of the book was that while many of the young people are physically in a church building until ages 17 to 18, they are already gone by ages 11 and 12. A few years ago, Brad Harib interviewed Ken Ham and he observed, What we found was that about 45% of the kids were already doubting and not believing the Bible in middle school. And another 45% were lost during high school. So what we found was this disconnect happened when they were young. What it came down to was homes and churches not reaching their children how to defend their faith, not teaching them general Bible apologetics or creation apologetics end quote. Again, that's from the survey results while I left the church, Think magazine, December 2013, page 25. Tonight, when we talk about a revival to faithfulness, we cannot let a lesson go by without spending a few moments thinking of a plan for faithful youth. As we see these statistics and we find where it doesn't happen necessarily when a child leaves home, but the seeds are sown much earlier in the child's child's early years. Tonight, using Moses and his life, Let us see a plan for faithful youth. Young men and young ladies, permit me for just a moment. If I could look in a crystal ball and tell you of the blessings that are ahead of you, and to tell you of some of the things that are out there that you cannot wait to see, you would be amazed what will be in your future if you make the right decisions Now, if you make up your mind at a young age that you are going to remain faithful to the Lord, then when the challenges of life come, you will meet those challenges with faith. The late Judge Tatum in Davidson County, Tennessee, shared with my late friend, Brother Clayton Pepper, an interesting fact that Brother Pepper shared with me. Judge Tatum expressed that when a child or a young person, older in the years, late teens, is faced with a decision, that the roots and the teachings that he's had in earlier years will actually help him that when he's faced with that decision or her, they will make the right decision. There's a lot of great things. We have some great boys and girls down at East Side, but we have a few that do struggle faith-wise. Our elders talk with their families. I talk with them. You find it everywhere we go. On the other hand, there's a lot of good things happening among our young people within the church. And I'm thankful. We have a young man. He's 13 years old. This young man would not even leave home to go to Bible camp two years ago. But he's with his mom on a trip to Costa Rica right now, and he is going to be leading singing during the Spanish worship assembly tomorrow night. And I'm going to tell you, I am more excited about him than I am being here tonight. And I'm really excited about being here. I'm thankful to watch that young man grow up. I'm thankful to see a great future. He led singing the other night at Eastside and did a great job. And I get excited about that. You see, I'm a firm believer that we ought to treat our young people good. We ought to love them and care for them. Because when I'm old and in the rest home, they're the ones that are going to be coming to see me. So I'm grateful for them. But I believe it's time to fight back, ladies and gentlemen, because I am sick and tired of the world winning. I am tired of our boys and girls being swept off into deceit with things that may appear beautiful and rosy, but yet leads them down the wrong path. I have just about had enough to where we've created generations to have everything handed to them rather than them to realize you don't win every time, but you keep trying, you keep plugging, and the ultimate goal is a home in heaven and everything else is secondary. Tonight, let's look at a plan for faithful youth. First of all, when you and I look at verse 23, we can never underestimate faithful parenting. Notice that Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's commandment. They would have lost their lives by hiding Moses. And when Moses couldn't be hid anymore, his mama placed him in that little ark of bulrushes and to make certain and through God's providence greatly... That Pharaoh's daughter found him. Miriam was watching. And then Miriam said, may I go get a Hebrew woman to nurse the child? And she went and got her mama. Exodus 6 and verse 20 called the parents of Moses, Amram, and Jacobed. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that they both were from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. They had some root, and they had some background of faith under the law of Moses, being in that priestly tribe, knowing what God required, and they taught Moses. And you can only imagine that as Pharaoh's daughter took him, you can only imagine what Moses' mother, the handmaid, taught him. Ephesians 6 and verse 4 You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The exhortation in Titus 2 and verse 4 of younger, or the aged women, teaching the younger women, and then continuing on where the aged men teach the younger men. When you and I think of this, we can never underestimate faithful parenting. Survey taken many years ago, but through the years it has proven to hold true. That the survey says that if you have a mom and a dad that are active in the Lord's work, 93% of the time, their children will be faithful in the Lord's work. Through the years in local work, I have seen that to be true. Where only one parent is active, it drops down to 73%. But you still see that part of a parent active in the Lord's work. When both parents are just marginally active or they will attend worship faithfully and do just a little bit, it's still 53%, but where you do not find both parents or they attend infrequently, it drops down to 6%. It's very evident that if a mama and a daddy like Jochebed and Amram were faithful or are faithful to the Lord and His work, and they're active in the local congregation, then their children will follow because that's the way mom and dad has brought them up to do so. I fell in the one-parent category. I baptized daddy in his late 60s, but my mama took me to Bible school and worship. And I was always taught that's where you're supposed to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I'm thankful that I was taught that because when I went in town on business, I went to Bible study on a Wednesday night in a small southeast Tennessee town. And while I was there in Bible study, this young lady came up to me and stuck out her hand and said, Hi, my name is Renita Rector. What's your name? And I joined that hand 13 months later, and I married that girl. (laughs) You never know, you see. But let's also add here. Have we by chance reared a generation to where we always taught them to go to church, but we didn't teach them how to worship, the importance of worship, Why we worship? Did we miss some opportunities in our homes by allowing the Bible school, good as it is, to teach and instruct when the charge was more at home? You see, you can never underestimate faithful parenting. And it's evident to see how strong that truly is. The second thing in a plan for faithful youth it's to our young people to never lose your faith in God. Determine right now whether you're 6 or 16, 4 or 14, whatever it might be, make up your mind that you're never going to lose your faith in God. Example, watch Moses' life. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years... You see, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Watch this next phrase, verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Verse 28. Through faith, he kept the Passover. Do you see? Moses is continuing to grow his faith through the years to where he refused to be labeled into a world that he actually was a foreigner. He refused or he forsook Egypt and the things that were there for him. you got to keep in mind, he could have been easily called Pharaoh's grandson. He could have ascended, but definitely couldn't have because he was not an Egyptian. But think about how good he could have had it. Consider also that He kept the Passover. He remembered and taught the importance of the Passover, or the blood, if you will, the redeeming blood over those households, the blood of the Lamb in the days of Exodus 12. You see, Moses continued to grow in his faith. Young men and young ladies, make up your mind now to never lose your faith in God. To believe in God and to believe the basics of the one true church in the Bible. To believe in the creation of the world in six literal days and God rested on the seventh. To hold your faith in God that God's Word is solid and true and it is not some fairy tale concocted by man. Once you have that locked in, you'll be like those in the days of Paul in 1 Timothy 4:12, to where he told Timothy, "Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers. How? In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Notice in faith. Let me give you a third one. Never leave the people of God, the church. You know, if our boys and girls make up their mind now that I'm going to remain in the church of Christ and I am never going to leave the people of God and I'm never going to leave my friends in the church and if I go off to college or if I move away, I will be active in a local congregation of the church of Christ and I will get to know other friends. If we resolve to do that, life will open the door. There's a sweet couple that sit to my left every time I preach on the second row. They have two children, and they're expecting their third. And I love those two little ones. His name is Wesley. He's a Bradley County boy. Her name is Denise. She was a Sumner County girl. Denise Coley, Jeff. And when I went to East Side, Wesley was starting to date Denise. They had been dating. They met at MTSU, a state school, but they were very faithfully involved with the East Main congregation there in town. And so they developed their roots, and they continued to grow. And they met. Wesley told Denise, "We've hired a new preacher." She said, "Who did you hire?" He said, a guy named Jeff Archie from Sumner County. She said, well, he's held meetings where I attended at Old Union. Well, when they came and told me, and Wesley brought Denise home, and we were talking, and they decided to get married, they asked me to do their wedding. And I looked at them, and I said, I have lived in Sumner County, and I now live in Bradley County, and I want to tell the both of you, this is going to be volatile A Bradley County boy and a Sumner County girl. We had a good laugh with that. But you see, here's my point. They determined early in their lives to never leave the people of God. And when they went off to college or they would go off to work, whatever it might be, they sought out a local congregation of the church and became active within it and met one another and married, and they are some of our, one of our finest families. Never leave the people of God, the church. Notice that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That he wanted to serve and to choose affliction with the people of God. He wanted to remain there. He wanted to stay there. Rather than to choose another life, he realized, if you will, to use the words of Peter in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, he was a chosen generation and holy nation, a peculiar people. He was one that would be chosen as one that would be of God. As we are called by the gospel, Second 2 Thessalonians 2.14, And when we think about Moses, he determined never to leave the people of God, the church, to make up your mind that you're going to stay there. And know why. Because as number one and number two teach us what we need to know, it's easy to accomplish number three. And to also keep in mind as we spend that time together to think of 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. To follow righteousness, charity, faith, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You have here a few pictures of our boys and girls at East Side. These pictures are probably a couple of years old because they've grown much more on me now. You see, they were working on food for the needy, for folks that would come and ask for food. The lower left-hand picture is one of our dear sisters who has since passed on as we went out visiting one evening. You see, they pull together tight and they're a very good group of young people. And you see, when they want to go off to college, we want to help them to go to the right place. So keep in mind always to just resolve to never leave the Lord's church That it is the best thing going. And ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And He purchased that church in Acts 20 and verse 28. And throughout the New Testament we see there is but one church. Then we are safe instructing our young men and young ladies to be a member of that one church. It's not a denomination among denominations. No, it is the Lord's church that Jesus purchased and that He died for and purchased with His own blood. When you go off to college, young men and young ladies, then you find yourself a local congregation and you get involved with that local congregation. And if you don't know of one, ask Chad. Our young people will come and talk with me about places to go. You need that route, and you make up your mind to never leave the Lord's church. And you just might visit that congregation off at school, and like Wesley and like Denise, you will find Mr. or Ms. Wright, respectively. Or you may go off to work and attend on a Wednesday night, and you just might meet a young lady or a young man that happens to be a guest there. You see, folks, there's a lot of good that goes on in the church. Let me give you a next one. We're going to actually stay, if you will, with verse 25 to remind ourselves that never think that sin is rewarding. Notice that sin is titled, The Pleasures of Sin for a Season. Satan will make sin look good, and he does. Satan makes sin look very pleasurable. And yet it can snatch us up just like a mouse in a trap. When you look at the definition of sin in 1 John 3, 4, how sin is transgression of the law. And 1 John 5, 17, that all unrighteousness is sin. There is just nothing good about sin. Never think sin is rewarding. Never think that sin is a good way to go. And although sin is depicted as a pleasure of sin for a season, sin will take us farther than we ever wanted to go, and we pay more than we ever thought we would. And Jesus died that we can have a life without sin. There's a lot of value in turning away. There's a lot of value in walking away from sin or the wrong that is there. Might I suggest, boys and girls, that you try the ten-second rule. When you're faced with something that you know is wrong, before you say yes, take ten seconds. Remember the first three points we just discussed. Remember your root. Remember your roots and make the right call. Think with me for a moment. What if a young man and a young woman would have taken ten seconds to think about their faith before they engaged in fornication or an illicit Unmarried activity reserved for a husband and wife. And said no. They would not have sinned. They would not have become parents out of wedlock. And they would not have put their family in a turmoil. Think with me. Ten seconds. When someone offers you an alcoholic drink. Take a drink. Try this. What if you took ten seconds, thought about the route that brought you there, and, and I've got to say this on the side, you really don't need to be running around with anybody who's going to be doing that to start with. Okay? But situations there. Ten seconds. Think with me before you engage in drugs. Ten seconds. Think before you do something that's going to hurt mom and dad and will sin against the Lord. Take 10 seconds. How long is 10 seconds? That's 10 seconds. You see, you've got a lot of time to stop and to think about it. Never think that sin is rewarding. Recently, my elders asked me at the East Side Congregation. They said, uh, and let me back up. Every fall, I start planning sermons for the next year. I don't do all the outlines, but plan my preaching for a year. And I leave a lot of spots open. I go to my elders and I say, brethren, am I missing something? And and they give me some good suggestions. And earlier this year, my elders said, Jeff, we need some strong lessons on morality. And so I sat down and I worked up some sermons for the month of June. This is what my elders, brethren, asked me to preach about. First Sunday in June, matters of morality, modesty. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you look at the biblical definition of naked, there's a whole lot of nakedness going on nowadays. I'm going to throw this out. It's not in the outline. I'm going to throw it out at you. I want somebody to sit down and graciously and calmly explain to me how there is not a man or a boy that will walk outside in his underwear, but he will walk outside in a swimming garment and he's showing the same amount of skin. I want somebody to explain to me how there's not a girl or a woman with walking around sense and decency that would walk outside in her brazier and her underwear, but yet she will go to a public pool and dress the same way, and the only difference is the fabric and the color. Now, y'all, that doesn't make sense. And let me tell you something, boys and girls, moms and dads rather. What looks cute at age three and four ain't exactly cute when they hit nine and ten. They grow. Bodies change. Second sermon, matters of morality. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Ladies and gentlemen, I am convinced if we just simply do what the Lord said and go back from the beginning, it was not so. When you marry that person, you stay married to that person. And if that divorce is for any reason other than fornication and they remarry, it is adultery. And I do not care that there's 39, Jim Waldron counted, 39 different doctrines of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a shame. Jesus taught it very plain and simple. The third one I dealt with, matters of morality, homosexuality. I dealt with the conviction and I dealt with the compassion. The fourth matter of morality I dealt with was internet pornography. And I'm going to tell you that one nearly turned my stomach, folks. Those were lessons in and of themselves, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you, joy, there was not a lot of joy in those subjects, but look, that's what the world is taking, taking on to us. The things that we looked at were just earth shattering. But I had one of my elders take the pulpit the very first Sunday and said, We, as the elders, have asked Brother Jeff to deliver these lessons. If you like what Brother Jeff has to say, give him a pat on the back. If you disagree with what he has to say, you come see one of the elders. Ladies and gentlemen, when he said that, I could have gone after Moby Dick in a rowboat with a jar of tartar sauce. I was primed and I was ready to have that kind of support. You see, when we looked at these subjects... There are those that think sin is rewarding, and it's not. And when you get involved in those subjects and how far they take people away. Chad, if you've never done a lesson on internet pornography, you need to do one. I'm going to give you a warning. You're going to be nauseous when you do it. The tragedy of those things sin is not rewarding. Ten-second rule, boys and girls. Just take ten seconds. Remember your faith. Remember what you're taught. Remember the church. Remember those friends. Take ten seconds. Make the right choices. I will assure you through God's Word that when you make the right choices, when years come, you will look back and be glad you did. Time is getting away. Next. Never make choices you know are wrong. Now, I've kind of alluded into that, wanted to kind of lead into it. Verse 26, when we see that Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He looked for something that was bigger. Building on this, I'd like to borrow a little cartoon, friend, that I have simply called through the years Little Dude. I didn't know what to name him. I just liked it. Little Dude, he is the kind of guy that you'd like to be around. Good guy, comes from a good home, church-going boy, never causes any trouble, has a great future. He is just your average good kid. Now, you look at him. He's not a bad-looking little fellow. I don't know if I had a daughter that I'd want her to bring him home the way he looks right there, but that's just my personal choice. <laughs> no, on a serious note, he is, he's a good young man. He's like a lot of our boys and girls today. But you see, little dude had a little problem. Little dude got around the wrong people. Little dude was welcomed in by a group of people that he really didn't have any business being around. When little dude was brought around with these people, then little dude got into a situation, and what should he do? Here's something that he didn't deal with, but when you look at those people around him, he probably figured instead of the ten-second rule, why not try it? And when he did, he realized it was a world that he thought at the time would be pretty good. And so with this newfound world, with a trembling hand, He's with his friend who's going to soon make him an addict. When he didn't have the money to buy it, then he went out to steal. Now he's moving into something worse. He's gone from drugs, he's gone into stealing, he's gone into selling. Now he's committing felonies. And then the deeper he gets, he finds out that sin gets much deeper. And his buddy really appreciates him so much that he decides to give him a present and that really sets his world amazed. But you see, his body reacts to it. His body begins to crave for it. And now he's moving to where he's stealing for himself. Now he's selling and he's getting other people involved. And he's getting pretty good at it to where he's getting a little on the arrogant side. And then one day he makes a big sale. And when he makes the big sale to that thug-looking individual, thug, T is for tough, H is for homely, U is for ugly, and G is for jail. Why? Because a thug can't spell. And when he... Now look at the money. That's a sale right there. But what he didn't realize is he wasn't a thug. The police finally got him. Where's his big friend then? Where's the ones that led him wrong? They're still on the street. But little dude headed to jail. Wrong place, wrong people, wrong thing, wrong time. He was just plain wrong. If he would have fled to start with, his life would have been different. Bible talks a lot about fleeing. Flee fornication, First Corinthians six eighteen. Flee idolatry, First Corinthians ten fourteen. You know, flee these things that he talks about—the things of the earth and the world. First Timothy chapter six verse eleven. To flee against those things and follow the Lord. You see. Never do things that you know are wrong because sin's not rewarding. Let me give you the last one. Never take your eyes off the gold. Verses 26 and 27. The recompense of reward had respect. He endured as seeing Him who is invisible. We never take our eyes off the gold. We never take our eyes off of heaven. We never take our eyes of what is important. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians three thirteen and 14, that there were things that he uh, would put behind him, but he would press toward that which was before him. He said, and, you know, I count not myself to have apprehended, but I do forget what's behind and I press toward that which is before and I press toward the prize or the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said there's something better there. Never take your eyes off the gold. What is wrong today with a young person planning for his life as or her life as a Christian? Nothing. What is wrong today with a young man or a young woman desiring to marry a Christian? Nothing. What's wrong with a young man or a young woman marrying a Christian, wanting to have a good, godly home and be active in the Lord's church? Nothing. What's wrong with a young man or a young woman keeping their eyes on the goal of heaven? Nothing. It's the best route to go, and as we've seen tonight, it's the right route to go. A couple of years ago, Phil Sanders had been in search of the Lord's way, a beloved friend, said the following at a Polishing the Pulpit lecture. He said, Our children are not given good spiritual diets early, and let us challenge our children in our Bible school. We need to prepare them for a spiritual war as adults. We are in a spiritual warfare, and we should expect them to mature. Timothy was called to a cross and not called to a couch. Let's challenge our children to be strong and to be God's people. If we expect very little for our teens, let's not be surprised what we get in return, Brother Sanders concludes. Let's have mature parents and children. We can't entertain our children into heaven, and we can't please our children into heaven. Let's encourage them to be faithful Christians. In a subtle way, we have focused on education and jobs so much That we have missed teaching our children what is important. Go into heaven. If our country asks 18 to 19 year olds to go to war and sacrifice for the country, we can challenge our young people in the church to sacrifice and grow in Christ. I believe Brother Sanders hit it exactly. We can challenge. Speaking to a group of teens in a Bible class one time on the church, I surveyed them and found every one of them were in honors classes in high school. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, it's time we take it up a notch. You guys are smart. You guys can get this. And we did some pushing. We did some challenging. And how so true this is today. So when we take a look at these six... A plan for faithful youth, quite simple. Never underestimate faithful parenting. Moms and dads, you're guiding, you're leading, and bless your heart, you've got a job. Walk faithful with our Lord. He will walk faithful with you. Young people, never lose your faith in God. Never leave the people of God, the church. Never think that sin is rewarding. Ten-second rule. And never make choices you know are wrong. Never take off your eyes off the gold, which is heaven. Tonight, as we think about this, as we consider this subject, we know there are great challenges among parents and teens. It's a hard life out there. But yet, through God and His grace and His mercy, He's made it possible for us to live the right kind of life. He's made it possible for you and I to take the beloved book divine by inspiration given, And to know, as the old hymn goes, bright as a lamp, its precept shines to guide our souls to heaven. May we embrace it and root ourselves deep and resolve to keep our young men and our young women and to resolve our young men and young women for you to resolve in your heart and mind to do the right thing. Tonight we can begin by doing the right thing by simply obeying the gospel of Christ. In a number like this... Surely there are those out who have yet to obey the gospel, to respond in a simple trusting faith and to repent of sins, to confess Jesus as the Son of God, to be buried with Him in baptism. These are things the Scriptures command, things we do and so simple to do. And then when we're raised to walk in that newness of life, then we begin a new life, a faithful life, a life that is there for the very taking. Jesus called an abundant life in John 10.10. It's a life of a faithful child of God. And when we're faced with challenges, we have the power and the resource to meet them. It is the best way to live. It is the only way to live. It is the only way to walk. There's no other way. Any other way is a lost way. And nobody wants to be lost eternally. Nobody wants to spend eternity in a devil's hell. Nobody wants to leave this earth, whether through death or the Lord returning, unprepared to meet God, when we've got the opportunity tonight. And even, brothers or sisters, if we need prayers for our souls, confessing sin, asking for prayers, not walking faithful to our Lord, this is a great night to do it, to renew ourselves, walking faithful for our Lord. So tonight, let's begin by fighting back By getting ourselves right first with our Lord. And He awaits through His invitation. Will you come as we stand and as we sing together?